Whatever that objection is that you're getting, it's because you went into sales mode. And what that prospect is telling you is they're not ready to make a change. In the second episode of our Mindset Impact series, Pam and I dive into our philosophy around asking questions, especially the ones you want desperately to avoid. Take a listen. I'm Pam Evanson. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a non-conformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. All right, what's on tap for today? Well, I was just going to tell the listeners we had a very special morning this morning where we took team pictures. And we all know how much Pam loves picture day. Pam's kind of a diva for all of you out there. (laughs) Quite the opposite, listeners. Picture day is my second favorite day only by one day, which is mammogram day. I believe that, Pam. (laughs) So there you have it. Now you're getting a little personal insight into the dynamics between Pam and Dan. Okay, so where are we? So this is part two of our podcast series regarding the impact mindset has on your business. So today we're going to tackle the next three on our list of 10. And just as a refresher, today we are going to talk about the impact mindset has on what you learn, the questions you ask, and the time you spend fighting objections. So Dan, let's start with how does mindset impact what you learn? This one is a direct, right, offshoot completely correlated to what you listen for, like we talked about in the previous episode. Because if you listen for what you want to hear, you're going to limit your learning. If you start to listen with curiosity to what you need to hear, you're going to expand your learning. You know, one of the things I like to think about here regarding what you learn is you have to learn a lot about the prospect about their business, about their initiatives. You have to learn and be patient to dive deep in some areas that you may not know in traditional sales sense if they'll pay off. But that curiosity that drives what you learn, again, it's the mindset. I'll use, for example, the high intent mindset. The high intent piece is all about the other person's narrative. What's important to them? What does their world look like? What are their struggles? What are the strengths? What are the challenges that they're looking forward to? What are the challenges that they dread? High intent is all about the person that you're speaking to. And in this case, for our listeners, it's probably your prospects and or your clients. But one of the things you got to be careful of is, right, as you're learning, there's also a very good chance that your prospect is also learning. Think about the types of questions your competitors ask. Your competitors will ask questions that are driving toward that result, which is some kind of outcome for a second meeting. Your competitors are going to ask the same questions that you ask regarding what you want to hear. What happens when you back away from that and you use high intent and now you just start asking questions as a true advisor and you're not labeling answers? You're not placing a value on what you're hearing. You're staying in the game to truly understand your prospect's perspective of whatever's going on in their business. That's what we mean when we talk about learning. And that's what gives true consultants and advisors and sales professionals that competitive edge. 
I like thinking about this too, because as you can imagine, there are those of you out there that have been doing your job in your specific industry and or vertical for quite some time. And I think we can take for granted how important this one is. It is not about learning for the sake of learning. It's about learning for the sake of helping. And there's no way in heck that I'm going to be able to help another human being if I don't go deep on what I learn. And so a lot of times, I think those of us that have been doing this a while, it's like, Pam, I've been sitting in front of this type of business for 20 years. There's very little that they're going to be able to tell me about their business that I don't already know. And I think that's when we've got to say, "Uh uh-oh, there's a big red flag. This isn't about what I know or don't know. This is about hearing someone else's version of what's happening in their business, what they care about, what drives their decisions. It's not about how much we know. Let me ask the listeners this, and I love what you're saying there, Pam, especially with that particular example of someone who might have 20 years experience, right? Biases kick in. We think we know everything and our expertise should carry us the whole way. But here's something I want the listeners to think about. You all have your perceptions on things. You have your way of doing things. You have your routines and your habits. Let's pretend somebody is talking to you about changing a routine, about changing your perspective on something. Are they going to be successful helping you debate that change by telling you what change could do for you or trying to educate you on why change might be better? Or are they going to have more success by asking you questions and allowing you to come to your own conclusion? Which one's going to feel like a more constructive opportunity to learn and get better? Someone telling you or asking you questions? Well, I'm glad you brought up the word change for this one under impact, what you learn. I will be motivated to change by very different things than you will. And it's your job to figure out those motivators for me. This is about me creating change for myself. I like it. Okay. Our next one, the questions you ask. And I know listeners, you're probably thinking, okay, this one seems pretty basic. I understand the way I think will affect the questions that I ask. However, I think we can go a little bit deeper on this one as well. So Dan, let's hear your perspective on how your mindset can impact the questions that you ask. Again, if I use the simple mindset of attachment, If I'm attached to an outcome and that outcome is how do I get a second meeting or how do I get a demo or how do I get this prospect to give me some kind of data or contracts to review, right? I'm looking for something. If that's what I want out of the meeting, because I've been told that's how I should define a successful meeting, I will only ask questions that lend themselves to what I want, which is get the second meeting or get a demo. I won't ask any other questions. For those of you that know me well, number five, the questions that you ask, I like to put it in the frame of my job is to ask the questions that allow you to do that critical thinking that you're going to have to do in order to get this right for yourself. And here's something else that I feel like we don't practice near enough, and that is how we ask these questions. You know, Dan, to your point, it can be so basic to ask questions to serve an outcome versus challenging myself as a sales professional 
to figure out ways, because it is my job to help you do the critical thinking necessary, to ask these questions so that it does help you think differently about what it is you might be looking to solve for, change, or do differently. So for me, this is another one where I don't feel we practice near enough. And for those of you that work with me, one of my favorite exercises to do is let's just take a simple basic question and understand why we're asking it, what we hope to accomplish with asking that question, and how can we now ask that question differently? And there's probably five or six or seven ways, if you push yourself, where you can ask that question so that the person across the table is forced to do that little bit of critical thinking that you know they're going to need to do in order to be able to get it right for themselves, high intent. Yeah, there's a lot of rules or a lot of guidelines that we use for asking questions here at LAPA 180. Some of the basic ones for our listeners would be, don't ask close-ended questions. Yes and no questions are fact-based questions. There's no elaboration, there's no depth, there's no engagement, no trust in any of them. Two, don't ask leading questions. What if... What if we were to show you? What if we could solve? What if we were able to cut the price? What if are very leading questions and run-on questions. I hear a lot of that. Run-on questions tells the recipient, in this case the prospect, that you're not confident in your question. When you string two or three, or even what I've heard, four questions together at the same time. (laughs) And that would come from what we would call a scarce, attached, low-intent mindset. Very guilty of that early on in my sales career. All right, the last one, Pam. The time you spend fighting objections. Now, Dan, come on. That's supposed to be part of what I'm good at is overcoming objections. My goodness, I can't tell you how many courses I've taken and how to overcome an objection. How do we think about this one differently? I think objections come up when we're selling. When you start getting objections of why the prospect's deciding to hold off or why they might go a different route or they're going to push the decision off for another three to six months, whatever that objection is that you're getting, it's because you went in the sales mode. And what that prospect is telling you is they're not ready to make a change. And I think if we're all going to be honest with ourselves, there have been plenty of times when we are being objective, we do have high intent. And we're going through the conversations with the prospect and or client, and we can see that they would objectively benefit from making a change, but they decide not to. And they give you another reason why. They don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the time. It's not in the budget. Too many other priorities going on right now. All those things occur as a way for that prospect to tell you they're not ready. However, if you would have switched your mindset from the beginning and followed some of the things that Pam and I have talked about regarding how you listen and what you listen for, what you're learning, what you're prioritizing, what questions you're asking, more often than not, you uncover all these potential objections early in the process of your conversations and you're able to work through them with your prospect. It's when you tuck them under the covers or you put them in a drawer or in a cabinet and you hope they go away and you ignore them throughout the conversations or the process, they always come back to bite you in the ass. I think that's my favorite thing you just said about objections. Our job is to draw those out early, not avoid them, not talk about them. And it's so funny how, you know, Dan, we'll be doing deal dissections, talking to clients and prospects 
and we'll say, well, did you ask them this? You know, in this next meeting, maybe you should tackle this. Why would I ever want to ask that question? It's Pam, it's like you want me to kill this deal. Well, guess what? They're eventually going to think it. So how about we bring it up as early as possible and help them think through if that's something that should hold them back before they get there. And what's the mindset behind that approach when you avoid what you know is waiting out there for you? I'm attached. I need something from this. Why am I going to bring up anything that might kill this or destroy this? So I'm thinking about a particular situation with one of my clients and the deal was progressing. We had now brought in a large part of the C-suite in the conversation. And one of the things we had yet to talk about was the fact that they were talking to two local companies and we are not local. And so we're getting ready to go into this next meeting and my two clients call and they want to role play this out. And as you can imagine, I brought up, all right, well, the elephant in the room still remains that two out of the three partners they're considering are local and you're the odd man out. How are we going to talk about that? And I listened to 15 minutes of these two arguing about what that would do if they brought that up. And you can imagine what happened when they got the phone call saying, hey, we're going here. Okay, can we understand why? You clearly loved what we talked about. You said we were on our game. You were very impressed. Yeah, at the end of the day, though, you weren't local. This particular one is so funny because I love these two to death. And the way I watch them talk themselves out of the inevitable conversation that was going to come up Again, it's just a great reminder that if we're thinking it, they will be at some point. They will be at some point. I love how you said that early, Pam, in the story, but you said it's our job, it's our responsibility not to avoid the information. Our responsibility is to get it out on the table so we can determine with the prospect if the information, the opinion, or the perception has merit. And we talked about here we were going to have this audience that we hadn't had exposure to yet and understanding how they feel about the fact that two of the folks they're considering are local and one is not. There's no right or wrong. Tell us your thoughts on that. How do you feel about that? And just the sheer roadblocks that we put up so that we don't have to have that conversation because we're just convinced we're going to open up a can of worms. Why would we bring that up, Pam, when they might not even be thinking about it? So again, I think it's just a good reminder that if we're thinking it, so are they. So find out how they feel about it before it becomes a reason to eliminate you. Great story, Pam. Again, turn into objections. Don't let them slide. They will always come back and bite you in the ass. Every time. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of the podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapham180.com. Go to contact us. You can also engage with us on LinkedIn at Dan Lappin or Lappin180. 